Los Hills, Trenton. It's time now for St. Mary Healthline. Your health is your most precious asset, and every Wednesday at 9 a.m., you can tune in for advice on how to better manage your health. Hear about important medical issues from the doctors and professionals across all service lines from St. Mary Medical Center. So without any further ado, it's time now for the St. Mary Healthline. Good morning and welcome to the St. Mary Medical Center here on 1490 WBCB. And today we're joined by Dr. Jessica Barton, a general surgeon at St. Mary Surgical Associates in Langhorne. And we're going to talk about understanding hernias. But before we get to our topic of the day, terrific to have you with us. And we thank Dr. Barton for her time. But we want to let you know that St. Mary Medical Center and the St. Mary Healthline is social. And you can hear some of these shows, not just here at 1490, WBCB, but also on Facebook, on Twitter, on Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube as uh, these St. Mary Healthlines are podcast through the St. Mary website. And if you're looking for more information about what we're talking about today, or you want to get some of the uh, St. Mary hookups on their social networks, go to Trinity Health MA. Dot O-R-G. That's trinityhealthma.org. Dr. Barton, good morning. Thank you so much for hanging out here for the St. Mary Healthline today. Good morning. Thank you for having me. Okay, so our topic of the day, hernias. We'll start with the basics. Uh, Dr. Barton, well, actually, before we even get into hernias, tell us a little bit about your background, about what brought you to St. Mary Medical Center. Sure, I'd be happy to. So I am kind of a local lady. I grew up in Huntington Valley, Pennsylvania. Um, so that's a town just part of the greater Philadelphia area, for sure. those who don't know. Yep, yep. Um, it's where my family still resides, and I'm lucky to be in the area and near some of my biggest and longest lifetime supporters, my parents and siblings. Um, I completed my undergraduate studies at Penn State University, um, went to complete my master's degree in biomedical sciences at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. And then I completed a five-year general surgery residency there as well. Um, I received excellent training there where we went to institutions that varied from small community hospitals to large academic centers. And then I was fortunate to have such good training and connections through all of those experiences and things such as minimally invasive surgery and hernia repair that I made some connections with folks who are here at St. Mary Medical Center. Um, and this is where I kind of landed my first job out of residency, and I'm excited to be here. Well, again, thank you for some time on the St. Mary Healthline today. And uh, we're talking with a self-described local lady, uh, Nittany Lyon. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Barton, you specialize in hernia surgeries. Uh, it, it, is that kind of your your, your specialty, or, or is um, so? I'm a general surgeon, yeah. so I treat all types of disorders in the abdomen, um, things like appendix and gallbladder and hernias and skin lesions. Um, but I guess what you could say is sort of 
my my niche or my area that I really enjoy learning about and expanding my technique on is hernia surgery and abdominal wall reconstruction. Um, so I've been trained in both open and minimally invasive approaches to hernia repair, and it's something I'm really excited about being able to offer to the community here and to some patients who maybe didn't have access to that before. Um, and that's that's the area that I've been working on most recently. So, Dr. Barton, what is a hernia? It's like where your insides start to poke to the outsides. <laughs> exactly. So, a hernia is basically when tissue bulges out through an opening in the muscle layers on the abdominal wall. What, uh, you know, I hear about hernias with infants, hernias with athletes. Uh, what groups of people are more susceptible to hernia? What leads to a hernia? Yeah, so that's a great question. Um, a lot of people have hernias, and sometimes they don't know or they don't cause problems, and then other people have symptoms. And what really causes them are a few different uh, factors. So some hernias can occur from birth. Those are called congenital hernias. Mm-hmm. And then other hernias occur over time from muscle weaknesses or at prior surgical incision sites. Um, that can make the tissues weak and allow the tissues to bulge through, and that's essentially the hernia. I always get my own family medical history kind of mixed up, but I think that uh, <laughs> one of my family members had a congenital hernia, but then uh-huh. it, it wasn't repaired until later in life. Is that typical? Do uh, do those congenital hernias usually get fixed um, at birth or at some later time? Right. So it depends on the type. Some hernias are in the groin and some are by the belly button. Uh, Those are the more common congenital hernias. Um, Usually in infants and children, we sort of wait until a certain age, and sometimes they actually just go away, but other times they do need to be fixed in childhood. Uh, If they grow to be an adult and the hernia was never fixed because it never caused an issue, um, then sometimes I see these patients as adults and they have a congenital hernia just from the time they were children. So if you get like a really strong abs or something like that, is that going to prevent a hernia? Is it about the strength of your abdomen or um, are there ways to prevent that type of situation? I guess people think of it or I think of hernias uh, in connection to people straining to lift a heavy object or something like that. Exactly. So... You know, congenital hernias are sort of their own their own little uh, field in the infant and pediatric population, mm-hmm. but in the adult population, um, usually you're right. The hernias that uh, form are really from straining or heavy lifting or coughing. Um, sometimes when the abdominal wall changes from surgeries or even women during and after pregnancies when their abdominal wall is stretching and going back to size pre-pregnancy, all of those things that cause the, the difference in the muscle wall can lead to hernias because it strains those tissues. Um, in terms of preventing them, you know, there are some different ways to do physical therapy that maybe can strengthen the abdominal wall um, or help to reduce symptoms of hernias, but there really isn't any great way to to get rid of a hernia once you have one other than with surgery. 
We're talking with Dr. Jessica Barton this morning for the St. Mary Healthline. She's a board-certified general surgeon at St. Mary Surgical Associates in Langhorne. Again, more information about our topic today at trinityhealthma.org. Dr. Barton, you just mentioned that some people have a hernia and they don't know it. Is it easy to, to feel a hernia? Is that uh, How are they detected? Sure. Um, so most patients who have hernias will notice that they have kind of a visible bulge in the area of the hernia, right. especially when they're straining. So when they're coughing or lifting something or exercising, or even when they're going to the bathroom, they'll sometimes say when they're straining to have a bowel movement, they'll notice that there's a bulge or pain in that area. Um, they might experience a pressure sensation. Um, those are really the more common, the more common signs. So typically patients who have symptoms from their hernia will know. Our hernia is dangerous. Uh, can, I guess some patients can live with a hernia and maybe they're not all hernias are, are created equal. You're right about that. There are definitely lots of different types of hernias, and right. I, I think we're going to get into that in a bit. But mm-hmm. um, in terms of hernias being dangerous, just generally speaking, so patients who have um, pain or discomfort from their hernia, they typically can be sort of watched and followed by their surgeon and then planned for an elective repair, meaning that they would come to see me in my office and we would talk about the adequate time and way to fix their hernia. Gotcha. Um the times that they can become dangerous is if somehow a part of the small intestine or large intestine or the bowels get trapped in the hernia. That's called an incarcerated hernia, um, which means that the bowels are trapped there. And the concern there is that the bowels can lose blood supply if they get trapped there, and that's pretty dangerous. And so in those situations, it requires more emergency surgery. And that's when we request that the patients go to the emergency room so that we can get that done more quickly. You know, we hear uh, here on WBCB, we do quite a few um, high school athletic events. We carry the Phillies and the Eagles. And one of the things that uh, we've heard, it seems like a fairly recent um, uh, sports injury is the sports hernia. And uh, before we go further and we get more into our, our topic today, Dr. Barton, is a sports hernia a different kind of hernia? I know we're going to get into those the different types. We talked about congenital hernias. Uh, where does a, a sports hernia fit in the mix? Sure. So, again, this does kind of come from the straining of muscles. Right. Um, you know, the sports hernia is kind of a term to describe like a strain or a tear of kind of soft tissues in the lower belly or groin area. Um it's a little bit different from a true hernia, um, being that true hernias in the groin have certain locations anatomically speaking. Um, the sports hernia is typically just from that straining or tearing of the, of the tissues. So sometimes um, with this type of pain, it's something that kind of goes away with rest, but then when they're doing activities, that pain comes back. Um, it's typically... Um, more common on just one side that they feel it. Um, and they can require surgery. And in those cases, again, it, it would be something that we prepare in a similar way to other hernias. It's just that the way that um, 
that those form is slightly different because it has more to do with the, the muscles and the lower belly and groin. Gotcha. Athletes that are going through that situation, they'd be feeling pain. With, would sports activity worsen a sports hernia potentially? Um, it can worsen the symptoms. Um, so those patients may be um, folks who can work with, I actually work very closely with my physical therapy department, and those patients may be um, the type that can respond to physical therapy in order to figure out how to have less symptoms with athletic activity. Um, and if it is something that requires surgery, uh, I, that's the type of patients that I'd have work with physical therapy both before and after surgery because usually in those patients, they're a little younger, they're very active, wanting to get back to their activities very quickly. And so for them, um, it'd be important to make sure that we learn different ways of moving and techniques for breathing to make sure they don't get um, any recurrent symptoms or hernias if it is something that requires a surgery. Well, Dr. Barton, you've already mentioned some of the different types of hernias, but uh, give us the whole array. What, what are the, the different types of hernias that patients potentially uh, would come to see you for? Again, Dr. Jessica Barton, our guest here today for the St. Mary Healthline. Sure. So um, there are about, I think it's been estimated about 5 million Americans that have hernias. Wow. And um I think somewhere around 700,000 patients have them fixed with surgery every year in the United States. And um, there are lots of different types of hernias. Um, we just talked about sports hernia, which is a little bit different, but the most common hernias actually occur in the groin. And this accounts for about three-quarters of all hernias that we see. Um, they're more common in men than in women. Uh, so we do see more men with groin hernias in the office than women. Uh, this has to do with sort of how the anatomy forms from, you know, it being in the womb to adulthood, so to speak. Um, the other common types of hernias are umbilical hernias. Those occur at the belly button. And then there are ventral hernias, which occur along the whole abdominal wall uh, or at prior incision sites. The final hernia that we encounter is really something called a recurrent hernia, which is when a patient has had a hernia fixed in the past and it has come back from um, ongoing muscle weakness or straining mm -hmm. or recurrent injury. Well, Dr. Barton, we want to get into uh, more of this topic, how people know that they have a hernia, some of the treatments that are available, and maybe I'll even ask you a question about innies and outies. We want to know about uh, <laughs> belly buttons. Are, is that related to hernias? We'll find out from Dr. Barton when we return here in just a little bit for more of the St. Mary Healthline. Our topic today, understanding hernias, and if you'd like more information, you can go right online to trinityhealthma.org. And again, the St. Mary Healthline is now social. You can follow the podcast and learn more about important health issues affecting you, your loved ones, and hear directly from the experts like Dr. Barton and other medical providers at St. Mary Medical Center. Again, trinityhealthma.org. And they got the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube, and of course, here at 1490 AM WBCB and World wide at WBCB1490.com. So stay with us. We'll come right back to more of the St. Mary Healthline in just a moment. Pain is the enemy. Motion 
is victory. So the St. Mary Orthopedic Team replaces knees and hips. We mend spines. We mend people with brilliant technology and simple human kindness. So you can go home faster and happier. That's our mission. Call 8447-ST-MARY or visit stmaryhealthcare.org slash ortho. My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. My training helps me at work when I lead by example. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my community and those I care about safe from threats. Learn more about how you, too, can live and serve part-time close to home by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Pennsylvania Army National Guard. Aired by the Pennsylvania Association of Broadcasters and this station. We now return to St. Mary Healthline. Welcome back to the St. Mary Healthline here on WBCB. And I get to satisfy my curiosity as we are joined by the medical professionals from St. Mary Health Center. And we have Dr. Jessica Barton with us, a board-certified general surgeon at St. Mary Surgical Associates in Langhorne. So, Dr. Barton, uh, before we talk about hernias, I do want to satisfy my curiosity about innies and outies. And um, is, does that have anything to do with hernias at all? <laughs> it, 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 it may be a topic so for another medical professional. <laughs> and I might have to do a little research on this myself. But what I can say is that belly buttons come in kind of all different <laughs> shapes um, and sizes. And some of them, as, as we all know, can be inward, called right, an innie, right. or can have tissue that's poking outward, called an outie, right. um, in kind of layman's terms. So uh, sometimes the outie belly button is just skin, um, and that's more of like a cosmetic thing where, you know, it can be fixed by a plastic surgeon if it's something bothersome to a patient. Mm-hmm. Other times, it can actually be a little hernia there. Um, so in those situations, um, that would be something that we could tell on just a physical exam in the office if someone was curious if it was a hernia. And if it bothered them, it's something we could certainly fix. So uh, fixing the hernias, um, do all re- hernias require treatment? And what types of, of treatments are, are involved? It sounds like there's some uh, either a, a, a non-invasive or an invasive surgical approach. Sure. So no hernia should be ignored, in my opinion. Um, I think that if you have a hernia, um, even if it's not currently bothering you, probably it should be followed by a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, just like how, you know, patients would see their family doctor for following their diabetes or their high blood pressure. Um, it's just something that we can kind of keep an eye on over time, and if it becomes bothersome or larger, then um, we can address it. When we're just sort of keeping an eye to make sure nothing goes awry, um, that's called watchful waiting. Mm-hmm. So that's really where we kind of set up visits a couple times a year or every couple years and just sort of check in and make sure that there's none of those scary, uh, dangerous situations like we mentioned earlier, like um, the bowel or uh, intestine being stuck in them. So in, in short answer, I guess, is that no hernia can really be ignored, and all of them that are symptomatic or bothersome to a patient, really the only way to fix them is with a surgery. When you're in that watchful waiting situation, um, 
do you do you guys take pictures? Uh, I mean, there there's documentation, um, but uh, from from month to month, I would think it can be difficult mm-hmm. to to to, to uh, recognize some of the changes. Yeah. So usually, um, at least myself in practice, what I do is I just make sure that I'm documenting a lot of specific details about gotcha. my exam and the size of the hernia on the exam, the location, um, kind of how, how big it feels like the, the hernia itself measures. And that way I can kind of know any changes from time to time. Have any symptoms changed? Um, have anything, has anything changed in terms of the patient's weight or um, size of the abdomen? or any other relating factors. So uh, about how long does a hernia procedure uh, take? And then what, what's the, I guess, for, for a patient? I mean, are you, do you go in and out in the same day? Is it an outpatient, inpatient kind of thing? And then what, what's the recovery like? How long does it take to feel like you're back to 100? Sure. So um, I think in terms of, I think I'm, the question that we talked about earlier, um, what treatments are available? I think right. you were mentioning about being invasive or not invasive. Right. So I'll answer that really quickly first. Um, for hernias, the way that we approach them, there's sort of two two thoughts of two techniques that we can do, can offer. One would be what we call an open repair, and the other is called a minimally invasive repair. So both of these require surgical incisions. Um, both of them are invasive procedures. It just is about the size of the incision and then overall um, the trauma to the tissues and the recovery time. So for an open repair of a hernia, mm-hmm. we make an incision that's near the site of the hernia and where that bulge is, and then we carefully can push the um, contents that are stuck in the hernia, that bulge, back into the abdomen. And we can close the um, weakened tissue and repair them with sutures or mesh. When we do a minimally invasive surgery, this either includes a laparoscopic surgical approach or a robotic-assisted surgical approach. For these, we make several small incisions in the abdomen, and we place little ports in those small incisions. And that's how we insert our instruments. We kind of blow up the belly with carbon dioxide gas so that we can see everything inside and so that we can fit our small instruments in there. And then we can light up inside the belly and we perform the hernia repair. Um, The type of operation that we choose to repair the hernia, whether it's open or laparoscopic or robotic, it really depends on individual patient factors and the location of the hernia as well as the size of the hernia. So this is when my exam really makes a big difference and the imaging that I'll get before surgery plays a big role in my decision-making for the approach to the repair. Um, I think both of these, uh, open and minimally invasive, have their role, um, but data does show that the minimally invasive hernia repair with the smaller incisions and using the robotic um, uh, technology often results in less pain, which means that they need less narcotic pain medications after surgery, lower infection rates, and actually a faster return to normal activities and to work compared to doing the open surgeries. So what are the differences between those two, um, an average recovery maybe for an open procedure, and uh, what about for a non-invasive one? Sure. So 
Depending on the type of hernia, I would say if we're talking about a groin hernia, um, for those hernias with an open incision, usually uh, those patients have to avoid heavy living for heavy lifting for about four weeks or so. Um, I would say it takes at least a week or more until they're really feeling okay enough to get back to work. Mm-hmm. Um, with the minimally invasive surgery, I, the added benefit is that um, the incisions are smaller and there tends to be a little less swelling and trauma to the tissue. And so in those cases, um, patients are typically back to work within a week and, you know, can get back to regular activities within two to three weeks. I mean, that um, is amazing. That's, that's, that's yeah. just remarkable. And I know one of the things, Dr. Barton, right after those procedures, right, it's good to get the good for patients to get on their feet and to start to move a little bit. At least I know when I went through uh, a a procedure, uh, my appendectomy, I mean, they're like, oh, get up and start. I'm like, what? Really? They said, yeah, that helps (laughs) with your recovery. It is. It does. And, you know, I I think with hernia surgery, it's, it's kind of unique in that we don't realize how much we use our belly muscles in order to do things just like breathing every day or sure. to get up out of a chair or out of bed. And so it's a big part of the recovery for, for my patients. Um, I really work hard to educate them that, you know, the first two days after their surgery and their hernia repair, that's, those are the two days to kind of sit back in the lazy boy and take mm-hmm. it easy and really relax, <laughs> let the tissues heal. Um, and then really after that first 48 hours um, is when, you know, I encourage them to do exactly what you're saying. Um, I have, a, as I mentioned, a good relationship with our physical therapy department, and I like to send a lot of my patients before surgery to do just a little 15-minute education session. It's all part of their, their surgical um you know, package, so to speak, and they learn different breathing techniques or how to properly get up out of a chair, out of bed after surgery, and they learn that all ahead of time so that when they go home, they know what to expect. They they know that it's going to be tough that first week, and here's how to make it a little easier. So I think that's, that's very helpful and important for their recovery. Yeah, great to keep that uh, communication at a high level uh, when you're getting healed up and uh, working with your physician. <laughs> Dr. Barton, if someone thinks they may have a hernia, what should they what should they do next? So if someone thinks that they have a hernia, um, based on kind of what we were chatting about right. earlier, yeah. um, really the, the first approach, I guess, would be to talk to your family physician um, and let them know, see if they have someone that they can be Uh, referred to, such as a surgeon. Um, You know, obviously our office always sees folks um, for hernias, so patients can call and just make an appointment with a surgeon on their own, or if their insurance requires referral, they can do it through their family doctor. And then once they're seen by the surgeon, the surgeon will just perform um, a regular physical exam in the office. if it's a hernia of the abdominal wall, that would involve looking at the, at the belly button and then looking at any old incision sites or wherever they feel that bulge or that pain. If it's a groin hernia, um, then it would involve looking in the groin and seeing if there are any bulges or symptomatic hernias that are there. And then based on that physical exam, sometimes additional imaging is ordered, like a CAT scan or an ultrasound. And... Um, once we have all that information, then we can move forward with discussing possible repair of the hernia. 
anything else that our listeners should know about hernias? Again, our topic today, understanding hernias. We're talking with Dr. Jessica Barton here for the St. Mary Healthline. And I'll just uh, throw that open-ended question out there. Anything else that the listeners should know about our topic today? Sure. Um, I can think of two things that I think are important in addition to what we already discussed. So one of them that I get asked a lot in my office is, you know, I've seen a lot of commercials about mesh infections. Do you really need to use a mesh? (laughs) Yeah. So I do really think if that's an important discussion that I have with my patients as well. And, you know, I have nice models and samples of the mesh in my office so I can show it to my patients because um, a lot of data has shown that fixing hernias with a mesh really reduces the chance of that hernia coming back. So hernias can be fixed with just sutures, and sometimes if they're very small, I do fix them with just sutures. Um, But for any hernia that's a little larger or any hernia in the groin, really the standard of care is to fix them with a mesh. Um, Obviously, this is individualized to patients, but I do think it's important to note that. Um, Of course, mesh is a foreign body and certainly can get infected, that number is definitely even lower with the minimally invasive surgery that I that I mentioned. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, just understanding that mesh really provides a stronger repair of the tissues and that hernia and reduces the chance of it coming back is just such a big deal for um, patients considering hernia repair. Um, and also kind of goes other, back to that point about communication. It's the, the discussion, right? You right. let the patients know kind of what um, it, the benefits and um, kind of together come to a decision. Right, exactly. And it's hard because we have so much information coming at us, you know, whether it's on social media platforms or on the news or, you know, in our own personal lives. Um, I think it's important to really know, you know, why is your surgeon going to do a certain thing and how how will that kind of affect me going forward? So, um, and then the other topic, uh, which we did touch on a little bit, is really just, Uh, The question I get asked is, you know, what really is the benefit of using this robot for for hernia repair? So what I would say is that robotic-assisted hernia repair um, is really just giving me as the surgeon a unique um, platform of technology that provides the most up-to-date technology with better cameras and 3D viewing capability that really provides a crystal clear view and better instrument control um, so that the robot itself can kind of translate my hand motion into the instruments that are repairing the hernia under my guidance. And so it just allows for such good precision that's controlled by me with the aid of that new technology. Um, And it just allows for sort of less manipulation of the tissue, less trauma to the tissue, um, and ultimately less uh, complication and less pain. Um, We at St. Mary Medical Center certainly have several surgeons here that are trained to repair hernias this way. I think most of us, um, this is our preferred approach, especially for groin hernias. Um, And, you know, most surgeons today who are trained on that, I think, are are trying to repair in that method uh, just because of those benefits of less pain and the quicker return to normal activities and to work. So we have, we've been lucky here to actually just have gotten a second robotic platform, which is very exciting. Um, and so we have even the more new model of that, of that robot technology. Um, so we're all really excited to have access to two of those um, 
uh, platforms in order to offer our patients the latest technology and hopefully the best outcomes. Well, that, that sounds great. Dr. Barton, I think we are over time. Uh, we, a fascinating topic, <laughs> understanding hernias. And I think any uh, anytime we get together with the medical professionals from St. Mary, to me, it's always fascinating stuff, uh, what's happening to help people stay well and stay active. And uh, Dr. Barton, thank you for your time today here on the Healthline. Thank you so much. All right. Uh, more information on our topic at trinityhealthma.org. But we got to get out of here. Join us next time for the St. Mary Healthline on WBCB. Dear neighbors, our hearts live to fix yours. The St. Mary Cardiovascular Team stands ready to save your life in ways that are safer, faster, less invasive, and sometimes extraordinary. You see... That's our mission, to treat you with brilliant technology and simple human kindness. Call 8447-ST-MARY or visit stmaryhealthcare.org slash heart.